1 Corinthians 14, 24 through 40. Uh, the Lord bless the uh, hearing and the reading of this scripture. But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by will not and will be judged by all, and the secrets of his hearts will be laid bare. So we will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, "God is really among you." What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction or a revelation or a tongue or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but peace. As in all the congregations of the saints, women should remain silent in churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home. For it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. Did the word of God originate with you, or are you the only people it has reached? If anybody thinks he is a prophet or spiritually gifted, let him acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. If he ignores this, he himself will be ignored. Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. This is the word of the Lord. God bless you, Pastor Howard. Before we uh, get started, look like we already broke some rules here. Um, we'll, we'll look at it in a minute. Um, so, uh, always a tough one on Mother's Day for some reason. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking in the book of 1 Corinthians and, and learning about the dynamics of believers and believers doing life and worship together and some of its guiding principles and practices. This letter from the Apostle Paul, Paul excuse me, was written at a time when Christianity was doing its beta presentation, its demo, its first go at it. And as you can imagine, it had some crazy results in this Corinthian world of polytheistic, intellectualizing, pontificating, sensual, and class-based society. It was definitely a different place and time and culture of Christianity. And subsequently, their worship services were done just a little differently than our Sunday a.m. services here at Christ Central. So apparently from what I can gather from the passage, and as you can clearly see before us, back then almost everybody, it looks like, came to church, church service with something to say, something to sing or share. And as Paul says here, some came with hymns and others revelations and and others tongues and others interpretations. 
And I can tell you, as we look at this world that's so much different than ours and this church service, it seems so much different from ours. And, and think about maybe some other church services that you and I have been in, more charismatic as it's called. Now, I can tell you that we will run into more problems as a church, I believe, if we see this passage as being prescriptive more than descriptive, Right? In other words, I believe Paul is is taking the practice of the Corinthian church and declaring, you know, if these things are happening in this way, then this is how they should be done to keep the unity and, and promote the love of Jesus in that first century church setting a la Greek Corinth style. And so he he is giving some basic principles and, and, and instructions as he, as he implies that at verse 33 that it's true for all the congregations of the saints. And as I look at the Bible, though, um, from what I can surmise, the other New Testament churches were not all quite like the church in Corinth. So this is basic. This is instructions that we can glean truths from. So, so, if, we are, if, so if we were called a culture like the church of Corinth, I admit this would be easier to get some direct application and help from. And having been in churches myself, and maybe some of you that operate a lot more like what we see here in this book, what's being addressed here for those churches today, these words are like a straight shot to applicable truth. So, what can and should we, a 21st century, highly cynical, Critical, a lot of young believer having injured by past church experience like this one damage, Presbyterian denominated with Presbyterian ordained and trained pastors, thus believing that all revelation from the Lord and prophecy comes from the closed canon word of God alone church, us Christ central church get from what Paul is instructing them. I believe first. That God wants his people to use the gifts he has given them in an orderly fashion, number one. And that secondly, God wants his people to use his gifts to experience him in worship. Look with me at verse 36. It says here, did the word of God originate with you or are you the only people it has reached? If anybody thinks he is a prophet or spiritually gifted, let him acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. If he ignores this, he himself will be ignored. Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And then verse 33, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. What we read here is Paul is, is, is expecting or, or already may have experienced. We don't know. We don't have the letter or the correspondence that he received. But apparently he experienced that, that folk in the church were thinking and, and saying and believing. Look, man, Paul, the gifts are happening. The spirit is moving. We, we can do what we want according to what we believe. We can see or experience for ourselves and what the spirit is doing. And Paul's point is this. Whatever is being done in the name of God's spirit among God's people, regardless of how awesomely supernatural or earnest or honest or urgent or important it might seem to you and others, especially, you know, in those real high spiritually spiritual moments, all of those things must be done according to what and how I, an apostle, have said it should be done. 
he is saying here, I am writing the Lord's command to you as an apostle, the very word of God to you. You need to regulate your church practices and check them by the word of God that is coming through me and originated from the apostles and brought over from the Old Testament to give to you. And in doing so, he is saying the word I give you is not wrong. You are wrong. If what you do makes conflict with what I'm writing and and what is written, if you don't recognize this or regulate according to the word of God, as it says in verse 38, then your gift and how you use it, regardless of how strong or powerful it is, will not and should not be accepted or recognized by the church. The ignorant, he says. Those who refuse to know or give heed to what I am saying should be ignored. Or in deeper terms, God doesn't get or is with what you are doing, even if it does seem to create a high or deep time in the Lord, if it goes against what I am instructing you. And so today, like them, we have a word from God to guide our worship gatherings and practices but but we have better than they had we 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 have the finished whole bible we have all the letters paul wrote in all the old testament all of jesus words that were given by god for us to have we we in the 21st century are in a better position and and i would say even more accountable position than, than than even they were when it comes to how church and its gatherings and and worship should run and happen so that we would not let anything be a part of our worship that, that violates or I like to say uh, out creates or out imagines or downplays what God has said he has given for us for worship. Another way to say it is that is worship and its practice is regulated by the word of God. In theological lingo, we call that the regulative principle. That we should check and do our worship by the word of God. And and our hope is to purify and correct and improve our worship. Either by calling us to more or to move to doing less. We, We follow the word in worship, which is not only about what we can do or what can or can't be done, but the manner and heart and reason for which it should be done. The word guides us and should guide us in all of our worship practices. And the word itself tells us itself here how else worship should be done. Last verse there. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly fashion. And the words for fitting and order can mean this. With decorum and with regard to rank and authority. The the word of God is teaching us here that that worship according to the word of God should be done with a prescribed order under the rank and authority of the church. Now, now we don't see an outright mention here of elders or, or preachers or pastors in this passage. But I agree with some of the commentaries I read on this passage that assumes when it says this in verse 29, if you want to read it with me, two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. 
Now, I agree with the, the interpretation here that the others, number one, means you sitting there as someone's up, maybe, hey, I got a word from the Lord. The Lord is telling us something as a church. And someone says it, that the others is you, the ones not speaking and listening. And you kind of sit there and you judge for yourself. But I also think that the others could be proper, the others. In other words, not those who are prophesying with a general church body, but the others could mean, and I believe means, those those who have the authority and call to weigh and judge what is being said. Which I believe the Bible teaches is the calling of the elders and the pastors. Now, now the point I believe Paul is making, all worship should be done with respect to the word of God. We've talked about that. And in doing so, under the rank and decorum and thus leading authority of the church. In other words, if an elder or leader or pastor or, or in this case, the pastor part of the apostle Paul says, do it this way or or that is not in order or or we don't think that's the right prophecy or, or we're going to do it this way this time. Then you obey them as they are not out of accord with the word and thus taking their words as God's and the spirit's directing of the church. Order means that the roles and the gifts of the church give way to each other. And rank, like the gifts of tongues, gives way to the gift of, of, of interpretation. And interpretation to the gift of prophecy. And then prophecy here to the examination and directing of the elders and it all to the word of God. And God has gifted and called the elders and leaders of the church to be the ones who are responsible for holding the biblical doctrine for the church's faith and practice and order and decorum. I'm going to do an aside here for the one scripture that causes the most problems in this passage, right? I'm going to do an aside and kind of tie it into what I'm saying about this idea of rank and authority and order. Look with me at this troubling passage. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their husbands, their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Pastor Brown, you just said, let the word of God guide your worship. I'm sure a couple of women already spoke this morning. You're wrong, Pastor Brown. What's going on? You know, this by far is top five hardest scriptures in the Bible to try to make sense of. Just difficult. And I read a lot on this this week. And you know what I got from a lot? A lot of folk don't know exactly how this verse fits in. I'm like, come on, man, you're the theologian. Lay it down. Tell me what's right or wrong. And they give like four explanations. Well, it could be this, but this is a problem with this. It could mean this, but here's the problem with it. I think probably the best way to look at it is this way. And some theologians say, let's just throw it out. It's not biblical. Somebody put it in there at the end. <laughs> Y'all laughing, but some of the most respected theologians said, you know, final conclusion, since we can't make a conclusion, Paul didn't write it. I cannot tell you what Paul fully meant by this as it's given here. Since it appears in back in chapter 11, women were allowed to speak in church gatherings from earlier writings. But I can say this much according to his instruction 
throughout Bible, throughout the Bible, and we saw in chapter 11 that women show submission. Married women show submission to their husbands, even in church gatherings. And you can see my sermon in chapter 11 on it and, and it kind of makes sense of what that means. And he may be saying that according to the order and rank thing, that even in their participation in the gifts, they should not do it in a way by asking questions here. Don't know how they were doing it. Maybe it was like, you know, I'm up here preaching and Kelly says, that's my husband up there preaching. Hey, baby, can I ask you a question in the middle of your sermon? I don't know. We don't know what was going on. Maybe it was something like that. Maybe it was, hey, baby, hey, when I get up there, ask me that question to make me look real smart. I wouldn't put it past them in Corinth. Everybody want to look smart. Let me put a softball across the plate. Or, hey, baby, you know, I've been disputing this other prophet. Come, you know, we don't know what could happen, but somehow the way we were doing it, it wasn't right. But they are being ordered to not participate in a way that broke the order and rank of their marriage and in some way shamed their place as someone's wife or as a woman who is in their culture appearing to be disrespectful. Or possibly in a way to make the woman appear to be in authority as a pastor, elder, teacher, which Paul forbids in his letter to Timothy. That's all I dare say. About this verse. But I want to tie it and tie it back into this call that worship be done with respect to the order of leadership and submission. Not just in church, but submission in relationships that God set by his word to be in God's church for God's people, regardless of what the gifts say. Right? Got elders in the church? Hey, the Holy Spirit's moving me. Forget what the elders say. I want to talk. You know what Paul would say? Everyone who's not an elder in that situation, be silent. Right? We cannot make up our own way to worship or go against the set order of worship by our leaders or work outside of our roles as ordered by the Bible, regardless of how spiritual we feel we are or how close we feel to God. We are being freed to worship under and in an order or a fitting, as it says, a decorum of worship. Now, now we, the elders, We'll kind of bring it down, make it more, you know, about us. Now, now we, the elders and pastors of Christ at the church, based on our take on the gifts, the needs, the issues, the call and culture of this church in the light and guidance of the word of God, have come up with that thing you got in your hand, that liturgy, that order of service. We've come up, you know, Lord, what do we think the service should feel like? Here you go. Lord, should we worship in a really nice building or be in a neighborhood theater? Here you go. And what and how, and we've kind of worked, prayed, and looked at the word about what and how we do on Sunday morning, and, and how to attach this morning service with community groups, and, and Sunday schools, and, and prayer groups, and all kind of ministries. And some of those things have more review and control by the elders than others, and we have typically not as been titled community groups. Some people ask me, what do your community groups do? Depends on the community group. Sometimes I hear later, what did y'all do? We told stories and prayed for each other. All right. What have y'all done this year? Y'all read any Bibles? 
A little bit. Okay, get a get better on that. You know, but it, we, we, you know, or, or we don't have as much control. We don't try to review or control every prayer group or prayer tribe or, or Bible study all the time and how they happen as much as we care with as much as we are with this morning worship service. And we are called to do that and will do that. And have been, been called by God to free you to be ministered within this structure. And you come and submit your spiritual life and gifts to and in it. And as Paul says, that is and should be true. End of verse 33. At all churches. Even though they manifest or play out gifts in many different ways, right? Regardless of how it looks, whether folk are jumping, uh, running down the aisles or hanging from the chandeliers or folk don't make one move or even breathe the whole worship service, it doesn't matter. It's it's a call to the leadership in the roles and rank of the church to have some sort of church order, even if we say our church order today is no order. That's order. Let somebody do something stupid. It'll be ordered immediately. I've been in churches where we don't really have a worship service. And somebody got up and said, I think this is about the women in the church. And the pastor said, sit down. Right? Point is, again, we do it for your sake. For the glory of God. We, we protect against, we, we offer spiritual safety. To avert spiritual abuses. I mean, what he says here about two or three prophesy and then the others judge. I mean, could you imagine someone getting up and just blurting something wrong out? This happened. What's happened in this church? Not me. (laughs) Don't do your top ten list again either. Of things you shouldn't say from the pulpit. But anyway, I'm just, you know, we, we have review. And, and so could you imagine if everyone just got up and said, especially in the first century church where they barely know what's going on. I think Jesus said this. That's nice. You're wrong. Sit down. <laughs> Let me tell you, as this church, as our church, we have decided not to have everything that other churches do. And have decided to do some things that some churches don't. Do But like all churches, we are submitting to God's call to providing and doing a biblical order and rank the worship. And yes, that can change based on gifts and needs to edify and speak to the church at Christ the church as we believe God is telling and leading us. Never apart from the word of what word of God is saying or allowing, but what we believe God is calling us to practice rightly for this particular body. Now, in verses 26 to 33, when Paul does all this, two or three speak. And, and when one speaks, once. Who, who, who's on that phone? <laughs> Silence that phone. <laughs> but, you know, it, when he says in verse 26 to 33, you know, when he says two or three speak here and then this and that one and this one sitting, this one stand up. When this, you know, when he says all, says all that stuff, understand what Paul is doing. He's doing what must be done at all churches. He is laying out an order of worship. For the Corinthian church in Corinth and their believers and gift manifestation. Which means, we've said this a lot, Christ Central Church may not be the church or worship service for you. May not be. There's plenty of churches that I hope operate under the same principles. 
that they've designed a church in different ways depending on who God. No, this is not a Pentecostal worship service. And in our morning worship services, though some of you have gifts and, and, and operate, you believe, or operate in gifts of tongues and prophecy, we have not provided in this morning setting for those gifts to be upstage, possibly because we see a greater principle of care for who God has given and called us to minister to being eclipsed or possibly hurt. And understand we are not by the design of worship service telling God the Holy Spirit no. You know how many times y'all got to worship? You know, number one, you went to seminary, you learned all that stuff. Now you got a worship service. You're quenching the spirit. Huh? I thought the spirit called me to make sure you're cared for and establish a decorum. Well, some things just override that. Paul's saying, no, the spirit is at work in this submission. Being silent in your gift as the elders ask or direct according is according to this, a principle of fitting and orderly worship. No, we don't want some things done too loudly or attention drawnly. We want some things to be hushed while others we feel are beneficial to you here to get more shine and glow. And yet we, the leaders of the church, have not absolutely forbidden all the exercise of gifts by certain people in certain settings or certain times. Whether personal times or prayer triads or Bible studies or gatherings, if you don't know, like, hey, this thing's going on in this group. If you don't know, talk to us. Ask. Paul is saying if there's prophecy, there's others to help you understand what's going on. If something's happening, some kind of, let's just call it for, you know, charismatic experience. Some kind of something happens in something. What are we supposed to do? Come. You know, we are called to submit. You're called to submit or be willing to be led when we do hear about something going on and need to speak to it. The apostle even expresses here in verse 32 that God has given control over the gifts so that so that we can submit them to order the order and the word of God. You know, I like to say there's no I just couldn't help myself. I had to get up in church and say it and blurt it out. Oh, the spirit was so strong and moving me. Paul is saying those who have true gifts of prophecy and true gifts of the spirit have an ability to control it as they submit to what the spirit is doing in that church. He's not the God of confusion or disorder, but of peace. And so if everyone, I just couldn't help myself, just blurt something out. He's saying, you're out of order. That's not the spirit. Or it's not the right use of the Spirit's gift. You're out of step or insubordinate with the Holy Spirit in that. But I want to emphasize and move to the other side of what the Bible is teaching us here. That there is a call to orderliness not to stop the gifts, but orderliness because God wants his people to be able to use his gifts. Look at verse 39 again. Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. And then what is going on in verses 24 uh, through 26? Again, this is from last week, but I pulled it in. But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody's prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all. The secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down, worship God, exclaiming God is really among you. Church happens 
Because gifts of the Spirit manifest. Church works properly when the gifts are at work. There is conversion and praise and singing and revolution, revelation and truth given and received and community and people working together because the gifts are at work. Remember the body stuff back in chapter 12 and the love stuff in chapter 13. When the gifts are working and operating and submitting to the word and to the leadership and to each other, we are having church up in here, right? And we are not having church without you being the church and serving and offering and submitting and bringing your, your, your gifts and, and sometimes being silent in it or, or sitting down and being quiet and, and listening when someone else is speaking or God has called them to stand up and speak. When Terrence says, clap your hands or, or sing a song or, or follow me and you do it, that's when we really have in church. And having church has different meanings in different churches, right? When somebody say having church from my background, That meant there was a Holy Ghost outbreak. Someone shouted, ran down the aisle, got free, as they say, or or, or the preaching was met by some emotional response and someone got saved or or the word spoke to me because I finally listened or or the song really moved the congregation and they couldn't stop. Man, I've been in churches where the music can't stop. Song's so good. Congregation moving. Pastor, get up to preach. Boom, 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 boom. And he just sits back down. Can't help it. We had church today. Well, for some, having church means that they understood theologically, soundly, some principle from the word. The spirit whispered deep truths in their heart. Or for others, it meant what happened before, after church, in their fellowship with folk. Man, we had a good conversation after church. We had church. Don't know what was going on in church, but whatever happened in church service really benefited after church service, right? Some people are gifted and find their gifts elevated in those times after church, in fellowship times. And sometimes it's community groups or prayer groups or, or like the many days when Kelly's come back from the women's Bible study. Man, Howard, the Lord spoke and the spirit is moving in those women. It's like, man, y'all really haven't church, right? The church is working. Or like our staff meeting of them with folk testified about what God was doing in their ministries. Church was happening because people are submitting and sharing their gifts in the order of the church and for the church. Which means this, as Paul says here, that two or three at most should prophesy or, or have a tongue and then others should sit down and others should at certain times be silent and not used. That church is happening. Get this. And spirit filled and led sometimes when we don't use our gifts in submission and out of submission so that other gifts can be elevated or used at the moment moment, or in the season of the church or the period of church history, the church finds itself. See, when Paul says again in verse 33, you know, he, he is saying that exercising your spiritual gift is sometimes exercising actively by not using it at certain periods but controlling it for the greater order and decorum and love and obedience and ministry of the church. But don't get me wrong. This is an encouragement. 
that where the church and the scripture and your brothers and sisters need your gift, the gift God has given you, whether interpretation or prophecy, hearing from the Lord or private prayer tongues or something like that, that you would use the opportunity given by the word of God in the order and rank of the church to step up and be used and bring it. Share it with the elders. Share with us what God might be telling you. No, again, I say we don't really provide all of that up in here. That's not what we do here. But if you hear a word from the Lord, you know, I was praying. I really think the Lord's saying this to our church. Or I really think here's a direction we need to think about. Or I really, you know, a couple of us have been praying and and we really think this is something the Lord is saying. Or I've been reading the scripture. I, I really think our church should really cover this subject. We want to hear what the Spirit is saying. You need to be free to come and tell us. I've said this over and over. We have session meetings. We've been a little sporadic on the dates. You know, things have happened. But if there is a session meeting planned and you know or see, or you can call me and say, Pastor Brown, I'd like to come to the session meeting. The Lord's telling me something. Okay. Now, it doesn't mean that if the Lord told you, he's telling us to do it necessarily, right? Like, like we, we, again, that order and that rank thing. So, But if you feel the Lord is telling you something, you are free by the Holy Spirit, free in this church to bring whatever your gift has and tell us. If you think something's missing in this church, if you think something's off a little bit, come and talk to us. I hate to say the impersonal thing. Email us, session at christchurch.com. You can write down your prophecy. No problem. It ain't the word of God. It ain't Jeremiah, Isaiah, none of them boys. But just because it's written, but right. You know, we've heard you. We've changed things in this worship service because people said, hey, I think the Lord's saying this and this is happening. We're like, okay. Praying about it, thinking about it, and we've done it. You know, some of you need to go ahead and pray for people and call us or others on the phone and pray for us and with us. In this church, you have been freed to do that. Point, bring your gifts to the church. Other day, Kelly and I, we were looking for a new car. Well, old car to replace our old car. Ain't no new car smell and none of the stuff we looked at. You know, when you buy one of these, you know, when you buy this car, it immediately goes to the mechanic. Yeah, that level. So, you know, so it we, we, we met up some people. We called them on Craigslist. They came down. We met at our mechanic up here on Central Avenue so that he could tell us this car is going to fall apart. That's basically what he said. But that's so obviously wasn't for the car. But the lady's like, we found out we were Christians and all that kind of stuff. And she was like, I, I knew something was different. <laughs> When a bee got in the car, we were sitting in a little bee buzz by. She was like, go away, bee, in Jesus' name. I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> I command you in Jesus' name, bee, go. I'm like, oh, Lord, sound like my mama. Um, so I was very familiar with it, right? So <laughs> she was like, I-, I think the Lord's just saying, pray for you right now. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> this just isn't me. In the middle of the parking, in the middle of the parking lot of a mechanic's place, gathering around, holding hands and praying, no, somebody might see me. Looking all charismatic and desperate. And this woman, she prayed. I let her. And Kelly's like, are you going to pray? No. When someone said they're going to pray, 
I'm letting them pray for me. I talk enough. And then she was like, and then we were done praying, right? And then something else came up. The Lord's telling me to pray again for you. Oh, what? I was almost out of there with some pride left. Because now your group moved from there to the car to near the sidewalk. So if you rolled by, you would be like, man, what a crazy Christian going on over there. The pastor had to submit to what the Spirit was doing in that setting. You need to ask us about your gifts and get some clarity on whether it is true or right, but don't just sit there or sit by. You are the church and God is using you in whatever way to be, God is wanting to use you in whatever way to make the church happen. As the pastor of the church, I want a church of gifted people free to submit and be silent and speak up and give way and lead the way with the gifts in multiple ways. You know why? Because ultimately, ultimately God is happening upon the congregation when his Holy Spirit is working through you to either act or submit, to speak or to be silent, to go in your gift or to wait, to be bold or to be in the background. You know what Paul is ordering them to, toward and us to experiencing God's active and live and transforming grace and power to have him in it come out. On you. We, we, some pastors say the Lord's going to break out on you. Now, that was an Old Testament. You didn't want the Lord breaking out on you back then. That meant nobody was going to live. And so, but in real life, we, we want God to break out in our lives and real people with real issues. And we as verse 38 is teaching, you know, let me read that again. Verse 38. If he ignores this, he himself will be ignored. That means the direction God is calling the gifts to be is teaching. You can't make him known to others and can't know him if we don't offer and bring our gifts in into the body, submit it to his word and to the authorities or, 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 you know, keeping it to themselves. If we make ourselves and our gifts ignorant to how God uses them and doesn't use them, the, the most important thing suffers our interaction with the transforming grace of God. We can't know him and others, others from you know, and other, we can't know him and others suffer from knowing and experiences his love and forgiveness and powerful presence. When we don't bring our gifts and lives and submission and activation in his church by his word, Paul wants them and us to know and experience God. I said, experience God. He wants the world to know and experience God. And the Bible is teaching that he's showing up in each of our lives of, of his people who are believers for all of us to be able to grasp and get and sit and stand in his love and grace in ways we can't without one another and without the gifts and, and without the community and submission called for. I don't know about you, but I, but I want to personally... And want for you together what God is promising and, and seeking in order that he can be gotten and understood and received and experienced. That we are hopeful of a charismatic experience and ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of this church and this people. In, in power, a powerful move, I would say, of God's world for the of God in a world of broken and, and lost and downcast people. A, a real charismatic experience. Yes, even in our Presbyterian government and worship style and leadership. Yes, 
even up in here with our cynical, I'm hurt by the church, lives and experiencing experiences. God is offering and calling us to put our broken lives and gifts forward for an occurrence that will change our lives and the world. A charismatic service, which can be translated grace-o-matic experience. That through you and me, God is projecting and, and displaying and, and offering and opening up, opening up to lost and hurting people the ministry and message and power of Jesus Christ. 